Hey there, podcast listeners. My name is Art Wright, and I am the senior pastor at Williamsburg Baptist Church, and I'm delighted to be joined today by our summer intern through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Student.Church program, Caroline Tucker. Caroline, you want to say hi to our listeners? Hi, everyone. We really are so glad you're here. Caroline's been with us at Williamsburg Baptist for about a week now, has uh, led us so well in worship this past Sunday, and uh, we're delighted, we're thrilled. Um, one of the things that we'll try to talk a little bit about maybe later in the podcast is some of the things that you're going to be doing among us this summer as you learn the ins and outs of what it means to be pastor. But um, so glad that you're joining us this summer, grateful for your trust. Uh, to, to come learn from us. And I have no doubt that in turn, we will learn so much from you as well. So we're really glad you're here. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yes. So Caroline, wondering if you can just introduce introduce yourself to us a little bit, help us get to know you. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Where are you in school right now? And, and some of the sort of like basics of your life. Yeah, I'm from Danville, Virginia. Um, it's right on the border of Virginia and North Carolina, about an hour from Greensboro, North Carolina, if y'all know where that is. And um, I'm the oldest of three girls. And <laughs> I'm That's a big part of my identity, being the oldest. I bet. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I went to undergrad at Queen's University in Charlotte, North Carolina, I was a music major there mm -hmm. with a primary in voice, mm -hmm. and um, now I go to school at Wake Forest Divinity School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. That's awesome. And um, finishing up, or have finished your second year, right, in the master's, the three-year master's of divinity program? Yes, one more year to go. I'm super excited and also super nervous, but <laughs> it'll be good. Yeah, it's amazing. Um and we talked a little bit the other day about um, what an unusual season it is to be a seminary student during a pandemic. You, you haven't really had what felt like a normal year yet, have you? No, my first year was um, in 2020, so it was online. So I actually studied from Danville. And my second year um, was this past year, so kind of in person, but also um, running to the computers often. Right. And I was in the hospital, so with oh. for CPE for my internship. So yes, you you were not hospitalized. You were um, no. Doing yes, sorry yes. to clarify. <laughs> <laughs> I was an yeah. intern in the hospital, yes. so that was a different setting for sure. Yeah, CPE, clinical pastoral education for folks that don't know. So uh, really uh, teaching you the skills that uh, to help you develop as a chaplain, right? Yes, yes. So as a chaplain intern is the easiest way to describe awesome. that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and some of our podcast listeners may not know the Danville connection. So you grew up in Danville. I went to Avert University for my undergrad, which is in Danville. And so loved living in Danville for four years. Such a wonderful community. Um, was heavily involved in the Baptist Student Union. Uh, I actually knew Caroline's father uh, <laughs> at Averett, who's he, who's a professor there, yep. right? <laughs> yeah. So we have that, that sort of neat. When I saw your um, application pop up, I was like, "Oh, she's from Danville." That's 
that's amazing. So yeah, Averett runs deep in my family. My my dad went there, and my mom went there. That's where they met. And oh wow! And now um, my dad's been a professor there for like years, and now right. my middle sister is going to Averett. So no um, kidding. Yep. Yep. Any chance your sisters will listen to this podcast? Just curious. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> maybe they will, but <laughs> so we can ask we can tell all sorts of embarrassing stories then. <laughs> so that's good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, so thanks so much for helping sort of get help us get to know your background a little bit. I wonder if um you can t- tell us a little bit about your journey of faith, you know, what uh assu- Assuming you grew up in a church, like what church did you grow up in and um, how did that sort of help you orient you and your relationship with God and um, and so forth? Yeah, I, I did grow up in the church um, at a little church called College Park Baptist Church in Danville. Mm-hmm. And um, my parents have been members there since they got married. And so that was my church, my, my entire life. And I still consider that my home church. Uh And, um, a lot of my spiritual and faith formation happened in that church through, um, activities like with the children and youth, but also, um, my parents just kind of brought us along. They they brought us along to visit homebound members. Mm. They brought us along to sing hymns in the nursing homes. And so I just have vivid memories of sitting in the back corner of our nursing home fellowship hall, like right next to the cake, ready to cut the cake for the um, nursing home members' birthdays and just listening to all of the old Baptist hymns. Um, and I really... Um, point to, I really consider those moments, um, really formational moments and like making music, like him so important to how I connect to God and also just worship in general is through um, experiencing those moments as a kid in church. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so that was, um, the biggest moment, my dad points to a story that I can't remember, but my dad can. Um, he says I was in, I was maybe in kindergarten, and I was in the back of the church, and we were on the way to church, and um, I said something like, it'd be cool to be a pastor one day. Too bad I can't be. And because wow. I was a little girl, and my church was affirming of women, but um, the I'm from Danville, Virginia, so the area around me was not. And um, my dad just immediately said, no, you can be a pastor, and I think you'd be an excellent one. And so I didn't realize that I had had that experience in conversation with my dad as a kid. But when I first told him that I um, was feeling a call to ministry, he said, well, you told me in kindergarten. (laughs) (laughs) I love that story. (laughs) Yeah. So although I can't remember that, I really think that my call to ministry goes that deep and that far back. Um, That's amazing. That is so cool. But I vividly, I vividly remember a call to ministry in high school. Okay. I was going to ask, yeah, where the, you know, the (laughs) sort of like deeper awareness came in. Right. Yeah. Yeah. um, Well, want to tell me about that experience? Yeah. Well, 
um, I started to feel really drawn to to worship in a more of a leadership way, but I didn't have any female role models in mm. the pulpit around me in a Baptist setting. Mm. And although that my church was um, affirming and ordained women, we didn't have one in the pulpit and right. we didn't really speak about it. Mm. And so maybe deep in my heart, I knew it was acceptable and good, but I heard um, from more conservative family members and members of the community, like not acceptance. Um, Mm. And so um, also, so I remember wanting to preach um, and being told that maybe my, in youth group and being told that maybe my um, talents would be used better to lead the music portion Right. And although I was two years senior of anybody else in the group, the only boy in the youth group was turned to to preach. So wow. experiences like that um, kind of discouraged me from really pursuing it right. further. Um, and so I went into college kind of just putting that in a box, thinking it wasn't even the appropriate time to explore that anyways, because mm-hmm. <laughs> I need to go to college. So I um, went and majored in music therapy um, Uh and was like, this could be ministry. You know, I don't have to have a specified um, career. And then um, my freshman year, um, I I ran into people that were more conservative in their outlook that continued that rhetoric that women can't preach from the pulpit. Right. And so I just kind of kept – that kind of like budding calling to myself and um, sought ministry opportunities where I could. But the the place where I really started to accept it was I was a camp counselor um, I for four summers at Caroline Furnace Lutheran Camp in Fort okay. Valley, Virginia. Uh-huh. And... Um, I started the summer after my freshman year and went all the way to the summer after my uh, senior year of college. And I get there and I see all of these young women my age and a little older um, that are talking about their calls to ministry. Some are applying to seminary, some are going to seminary, some are right where I am, like unsure. And I was like, that was the first place where I was affirmed and my mm. calling where first place I voiced my calling and was really able to explore it. So mm. I really credit camp for a lot of my formation and um, in my discernment and just really um, accepting it. That's beautiful. And it, I mean, it strikes me that it took um, going to a different context to, you know, encounter folks that viewed ministry for women through a different lens, specifically Lutheran, you said, right? Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, it's interesting to me. I went to, uh, I grew up in the Methodist church. I don't know if you know that. Uh, and mm-hmm. we did have, we had a female pastor when I was, uh, when I was growing up. And so, for me, it wasn't all that unusual, although I do remember like a little bit of chatter, um, you know, about, I, I think she was probably the first female pastor that the church had ever had, but, um, you know, then went to college where it was probably a little bit more mixed, you know, opinion, but then went to a 
Presbyterian seminary where, which was very supportive of women in ministry. But it's interesting how your context, you know, shapes the ways in which you can live into your sense of calling. So did you yeah. preach at the camp? Have you, I'm curious about, just want to dig into this a little bit more. Do you remember your first sermon? Oh my, well, I didn't, I didn't preach at the camp. No, okay. I mean, I guess if we like broadly define preach, <laughs> like, uh-huh. like lead worship or something, uh-huh. but the first time I preached was in my home church. Um, oh, at uh, at College Park Baptist. Yes. And what yes. was that experience like? Um, it was terrifying, <laughs> um, but I knew. But it was my home church too, and you know they're my church family. And yeah. <laughs> are always cheering me on, so I knew that they would hold me in the most grace. But I definitely um, have grown since that point. <laughs> yeah. Sure. <laughs> Preaching, but. Yeah, I, I I remember my first sermon vividly. I think I was 15 and in the youth group, and I was going to a Baptist youth group of all things as a Methodist, but they, you know, they were looking for someone to preach, and for some reason I got it in my head that I would, you know, raise my hand. Uh, I was just so nervous. Oh, my gosh, terrified. But I remember preaching on the text from uh, Matthew, you know, ask and it shall be, given to you, seek, and you shall find, and knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Uh, and uh, somehow made it through it. It was okay. Oh, wow. Do you, like, remember, like, did any experience? Like, did you have, like, any, like, spiritual awakening or, like, certain calling with that experience? Or, or I, well, not really? <laughs> Yeah. I, I mean, I don't want to give – I don't want to steal your thunder from the <laughs> conversation. <laughs> But uh, I do. I remember having this sinking feeling in high school that I was going to end up being a pastor one day. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. No, I don't want to do this. Oh, wow. Uh, So anyway. My goal wasn't really linked to preaching at all. I I had that feeling about being a pastor um, through camp. I think really through, um, you know, camp – Christian camp is such an intentional community and um, we made an effort like with our language, like to share God's love every day and like um, intentionally sharing God's love um, every day. I was just like, I would like to do this for the rest of my life. Mm. Um, And so that's like kind of like when I was like, definitely, I I think I have a calling to ministry. Wow. You know, I remember from your application now, if I'm remembering correctly, you said when describing your sense of call, you felt like it was less specific in terms of like a certain type of vocation, but that you you did feel called to share God's love, uh, that sort of like specific message with the world, which is such a beautiful message in whatever, you know, medium it comes. Yes, that I truly do. I mean, it sounds so simple, but also so difficult to, I think... Um, put out there sometimes. So yeah, I definitely kind of come back to that as my my call for sure. Is there any, I'm just wondering if you can articulate, I mean, it's such, how do you articulate like what that means to you? Like that God loves everyone. Uh, and why do you think that that strikes you in particular so powerfully, that message? 
I mean, you know, love is kind of maybe the opposite of what's often put out into the world. Like you turn on to the on the news and you see so much hate and violence. And um, although love is used so much in our language, um, how often do we really show love to one another? I think even, you know, a smile as you cross somebody on the street is an act of love and mm-hmm. um, would love to just be a part of putting that out in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, that's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah, and it does. It seems, um, I mean, even in some ways revolutionary and radical, as strange as that sounds to say, In but, you know, like you said, watch the news and that's not the dominant message these days. It doesn't feel like. Right. Well, I mean, I point to Jesus as like, you know, an example of radical love. And um, I don't know, I think we could turn, turn to those stories for sure, even as an example of, of what Jesus calls us to do, you know? Mm-hmm. Do any stories in particular that you're thinking of when you, when you think of Jesus and love? Oh, well, I mean, like any any story where Jesus kind of meets the people that we would least expect him to meet, mm-hmm. like um, the woman at the well or mm-hmm. um, Zacchaeus or um, <laughs> lepers or, you know, like um, basically anybody that others were kind of like, eh. mm-hmm. you know, Jesus met them with love. So. Yeah, that's a. That's so funny. Those were the first two that I thought of as well. The Zacchaeus <laughs> and the Samaritan woman. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, yeah. I mean, the folks that he, I think Luke's gospel has some of the religious leaders complaining that Jesus um, wines and dines with sinners. That That's the like, uh, they're grumbling or something. And, you know, the thought is that he's, being intentional about spending time with folks who aren't necessarily committed to living a like strictly religious life by the terms and customs of the time. And yet he is trying to be intentional about creating hospitality and space for them and, uh, and to demonstrate God's acceptance and gracious acceptance and love of them. So, well, (laughs) this is so good. Um, I'm wondering if you can uh, point us to any pivotal points in your life as far as your, you talked a little bit specifically about your sense of call and this, um, this moment where you, you know, land at this camp and recognize that uh, maybe women can be called in the same ways as men. Uh, but are there any other sort of like pivotal points in your spiritual journey where you maybe rethought who God is to you or maybe, you know, took a step forward in faith that felt a little bit scary or rethought who Jesus was or anything? Yeah. Yeah. Those are some big questions, but I'll, I'll start with, (laughs) I'll, I'll start with the little point, um, where, um, like a scary, a scary point. Mm, mm-hmm. Um, so like once my mind works chronologically, <laughs> if you can't tell. Um, but, um, once I felt the call and I accepted it, well, like next step is to act on it. Mm. And, uh, 
that's really scary. Um, and so I, I would say like, um, I'm not sure dark is the right word, but kind of like shaky as part of my spiritual journey was the semester that came after my first summer at camp because I um, felt this call, but I felt like I was like sitting on it. Like I didn't really feel any action. And that was like really unsettling to me. Mm -hmm. And perhaps that unsettling feeling was like this force that was like trying to get me to move, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. And so um, it took me most of the semester. I was a music therapy major at the time. And I don't know if y'all know anything about music therapy, but that's like 18 to 20 credit hours um, Mm -hmm. a semester until the end. And like, that's a lot of credits. Wow. (laughs) Normal credit probably would be like, like 15. Okay. (laughs) You know, like, so that's a lot. And um, so that busy schedule didn't give me much chance to Mm -hmm. really process these things I was thinking. And I just remember going in my advisor's office because I was like, something's got to change. And I was just like, I think I'm, I think God's telling me not to do this anymore, (laughs) which is the only way I could articulate that I was feeling this calling and I, I needed to act on it. So, um, I ended up going from music therapy to music, which doesn't really seem (laughs) like a big jump, but to me that was, um, such a big jump because I was leaving something I had made my mind up that I was going to do and mm-hmm. I was changing things up a little bit. Um, and so moving to music just gave me time to continue to study what I love, but also discern what was next, um, which is what I really needed. Right. Um, so that was a big pivotal point, even though it's, it doesn't really seem like that much of a jump. <laughs> You know, I mean, there's something to be said for having space for spiritual reflection in your life. Yeah. (sighs) It's hard to find sometimes. Even, you know, even for me as a pastor these days, sometimes it's hard to carve out that intentional time because lives are just busy. If we don't make time for it, our days just fill up. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Absolutely. For me, when I like think about my own sense of calling, yeah, I resonate when you said it's it's scary. Uh, I mean, it's it's beautiful, a beautiful thing to feel a sense of clarity, uh, but it's also like, wow, I you know, I think I'm going to do this. Um, I wonder if there are any like biblical characters that you resonate with. Um, as you think through your sense of call, like for me, it was Jonah. Like Jonah gets this very clear call from God to go to Nineveh. And then he literally goes as far as he can in the opposite direction to the point where, you know, God has to send us a storm. Uh, the, the sailors throw Jonah in the water and he gets swallowed by a, a big fish. Um, and then he sort of begrudgingly like trudges back into Nineveh. Um, and so I always, you know, as I've wrestled with my own sense of call, have found a lot to relate to in Jonah. I'm wondering if there's anyone that stands out in your mind as you think of your sense of call. That's a really interesting question and maybe a point of discernment further. Um, (laughs) but I honestly found the prophets in particular really Mm. intimidating as I was like 
like beginning to discern because like I I didn't have this voice speaking to me. I didn't have like a specific moment that I felt called and honestly like kind of like made me doubt a little bit like when I was reading mm. those stories like um you know um like Isaiah's call story um it's so magnificent and crazy. <laughs> right. Even Jonah, like, right. Jonah, like Jonah gets a clear call, um, at least to the, it seems clear to the reader. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I found, I found those intimidating, but one, I could might get the name wrong, but um, when I was taking my old Testament class, um, the, the passages that I most related to were um, in Jeremiah, I think. Where's uh-huh. Jeremiah? Correct me if I'm wrong. Because um, Jeremiah always talks about his heart. Um, uh-huh. That and, like, sounds right. Okay, everything comes from his heart. Um, and that really stuck out to me because that's where I feel everything. Hmm. Um, like everything is like like my heart, like comes from my heart. Like that's how I talk. Like that hurts my heart. That makes my heart happy. Right. Um, And so when I, when I read that, I was like, okay, here, here's someone in the Bible that talks and relates to God like I do. And so I don't know if that answers it too much. Yeah. No, I love that. (laughs) You know, and I, I do wonder, you know, um, my hunch is that, you know, you know, this too, like Jonah, it's really unclear if that was a historical story or just sort of like a, you know, a short story made up to make a, a point about God. But even if, you know, if Jonah were a real person, you know, I could, I w- can't help but wonder if like, maybe it wasn't like a voice from heaven so much as this like feeling in his gut that he needs to go share this message to the Ninevites who are like mortal enemies, like, and to go say, you know, as much as I hate to say this, God loves you too. Uh, I, you know, I wonder if maybe that was sort of like a feeling in his heart or in his gut too. Who knows? I, I just wonder. Yeah. Uh, well, that would be, you know, I think that would be a great reflection paper at some point is who, who you most relate to in scripture or are there any women with call stories who resonate with you, like um, Mary Magdalene, who, you know, is the first to encounter the risen Jesus and then get, you know, she becomes what the early, who the early church called the apostle to the apostles. She goes mm-hmm. and proclaims this good news. Uh, she's the really the first, you know, proclaimer of the gospel um, after the resurrection. So anyway, lots of good role models in scripture. Very true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, Caroline, uh, outside of Scripture, are there any um, folks that you would point to as spiritual guides, um, whether mentors or what I would call spiritual friends um, in your life who have sort of been fellow pilgrims on the journey of faith for you? Yes. A number, <laughs> a number of my family members have been um, so influential in my mm-hmm. spiritual faith journey. Um, the earliest being my parents. Um, 
we would watch these little um, VHS tapes of what we call Jesus music, which was just kids singing children's Christian songs. Oh my gosh. <laughs> but um, like I, I relate to the world through music and that I think that's how I learn best too. Mm. And so like I, I, I watch those VHS tapes uh, through elementary school just for fun because um, I found them so encouraging and heartwarming and um, just a place to rest. Hmm. And, um, but my, my parents both were very active in the church. And um, I remember sitting on my dad's lap when I was like, I don't know, second grade. And he had just preached a sermon on um, Adam and Eve. Uh And um, even in second grade, I struggled with that passage with um, the blame sitting on Eve. And I struggled with like, how could like, how could this have literally happened? And there's so many like areas of (laughs) contradiction. And like as second grader, I was just like very bothered by this story. And I remember my dad like, just very calmly like talking through and like planting little seeds in my head for theological reflection. Um, (laughs) And to this day, I still struggle with that story and we still talk about it. No kidding. Um, But I really, my dad has really walked this journey with me like from that young age, just ready for my frustrations with the Bible or excitement and just ready, always ready to talk about it. Yeah. I, I love that, you know, because I think that the the temptation or the danger as a parent is always to say, you know, oh, just have faith or you just have to trust or or don't ask questions. But uh, children ask the best questions, really, in my opinion, when it comes to faith and theology. And I, I hear what I hear you saying is that your parents created space for you to really wrestle with. Uh, what you believed about those stories. Yes, I suppose that is kind of rare, and I'm really thankful to them for for making that space yeah, for me. Right. Well, and I think it can be scary for parents sometimes if they don't know the answers to the questions themselves to just, you know, maybe easier just to say, oh, you know, you just have to have faith when the parent themselves doesn't, you know, really have uh, maybe clarity or wrestles with the same question at the same time. For sure, for sure. I, you know, I have two kids, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old, and um, they they really do ask the best questions and don't let me off the hook. And, um, you know, <laughs> nothing in seminary prepares you for the questions that children <laughs> ask. It's like, where's that class? Like, how to answer children's questions about God and the Bible. <laughs> Well, and, and children don't even always realize that they're asking really difficult questions about God because they seem so logical. Right. That um, God doesn't, I guess, always answer to logic. <laughs> I mean, it's like basic stuff. Like, why can't I see God or like, or Jesus? <laughs> like, well, what where did talk- God come from? Who created yeah, God? <laughs> right. <laughs> Somehow we as I don't know, adults have just sort of, um, I don't know, washed our hands of those questions or, but you know, when your kids ask them, it's, it's really hard. We, you know, in my family, 
uh, I don't know if it's a blessing or a curse to have like a, a parent in ministry, but we do talk about some of those stories and, you know, the, the, especially the Genesis origin stories and try to talk, you know, say, you know, I think some of these stories have some actually happened and then some are just sort of like legends, which may contain some kernel of truth, but also, uh, you know, are partly just a good story with a point. Uh, and my kids have, my kids, I think have come to appreciate that language. Um, Mm. but, uh, even, you know, it's, it's still tricky to sort of talk through that. Um, so, but what a gift to have parents that, uh, created that space for you to ask and question and wrestle. Any other spiritual guides that you would name, uh, yeah, I think my grandma. Hmm. For sure. My um grandparents on my mom's side, um, so her parents were um missionaries um on um Native American res- reservations. Uh or I might be using the wrong word, but out in That's Oklahoma okay. in Texas. Yeah. Um and for for a very long time and um yeah, I just, I didn't get to, my mom is the youngest of seven. So I, I didn't really get to experience most of those stories through my grandma because, um, she was much older, um, Uh once I came on the scene. Um, but I just, she always had a Bible verse for every situation. Hmm. Um, if something, something bad happened, she always had a Bible verse of comfort Hmm. and, um, I especially remember as she got older, um, any family members that were around, we would just gather around her bed, grab some hymnals from the living room, and um, just sing around her bed with her. And um, those are just some incredible spiritual moments that happened with and because of my grandma um, that I just treasure so deeply. And as I learn more about her, um, so they were missionaries through the Southern Baptist Convention, mm-hmm. um, which is traditionally more conservative. Of course, they were around the time before um, things got super conservative. Right. But, but they were, you know, pretty, my grandpa, I would think, was pretty conservative. And so right. he was the ordained minister, and she was, I guess, theoretically the pastor's wife. But um, some of my family members have told me recently about, like, she wrote um, up a reflection, uh, a write-up to the mission council, like saying that she thought that pastors' wives should be educated as well because um, it, it's really needed on the mission field. And what a radical thing to write at that time. And um, I, I would love to just continue to learn more. But yeah, she's such a role model and continues to be even now that she's passed. That's, that's amazing. Any, I'm just curious, any scripture passages in particular come to mind for you that she would share or any favorite hymns that um, you remember singing? Um, I can't remember any scripture passages. That's okay. I just know they were always in King James and I know. Oh. <laughs> of course, <laughs> as always, they should when be. When she said it, they always put me at ease, but um, yeah. Um, the hymn, when you uh, trust, uh, when you uh not trust, trust and, and obey o- oh. not trust and obey but um hmm. 
It's another one about trust and doing God's will. But anyways, maybe I'll remember some other time. Maybe. But yeah. I sing that was the song, whatever song I can't remember right now. Um, she asked uh, as she she passed away when I was a senior in um, high school. Mm-hmm. And we were visiting and um, I was singing out of the hymn book with her and she wasn't very very conscious um but i asked her if there are any songs and she requested them that i can't remember oh and, um, it's gonna come back to you yes, i promise oh yeah You'll every remember. time i see it or hear it I yeah hear, so. yeah i'm sure but, um but and then that was the only um coherent thing she said wow right. like i think that's the last coherent thing i heard her say wow so, wow um, yeah that's so touching. I'm going to have to go back after this. And yeah. <laughs> I have hymns that I think about for my, yeah, In the Garden comes to mind for me. Uh, for, oh, well, uh, for your family? Yeah, for my, and for my grand, my, yeah, my grandparents specifically. But oh, it's so wow. funny how yeah. we, you know, relate hymns to certain people. Yeah. Music is so powerful. Yeah. And it ties us all together. So that's Yeah. Funny. So, well, I was going to ask you about your spiritual practices, but I wonder if you could say a little bit more about music, because that seems to be, you know, such a powerful way for you to connect with God. Um, what, you know, singing, listening, what, in what ways does, does music connect you to God? Hmm. I do, I do feel that music making is a sacred and special place to me and creates those sacred and spiritual places. Um, And for me, it's hymns, old Baptist hymns Mm -hmm. that I grew up with um, because they evoke memories maybe that I made with my grandparents or her singing at um, the nursing homes as a kid. Um, And so in in a way, I think that those hymns represent all of the people that I've gotten to walk part of my journey mm. with that have um, kind of been a part of my spiritual journey. And so when I sing those hymns, it's like they're all with me, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, for me, it's it's making music. And the more I can do, singing, guitar, piano, um, it's a very individual practice for me, mm-hmm. I think. Do you, I mean, do you ever, well, I think I know this, to be the case. Cause I think I remember last week you went and just, um, played on the piano a little bit in the sanctuary by yourself. Right. Just to kind yeah. of, yeah. <laughs> Which is an amazing spiritual practice, I think, to create space and time for that and be intentional about that. Yeah. It definitely becomes harder to make space for even making music when, um, things get busy, but yeah, something I try to do. You know, I mean, for me, you know, I love scripture but most of my encounters with it at this point is for my job, my, you know, my career, right. Whether I'm teaching or preaching, it's, which on the one hand is beautiful because it forces me in a good way to engage with it. But, uh, it's less common that I just open up the Bible to read for personal devotion time or something. (laughs) It's funny how us pastor types sort of, you know, fall into those traps. Any, do you have any favorite hymns of your own? Or songs? My absolute favorite hymn is Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Uh-huh. 
Um, and that's not your grandmother's hem. This is yours. Yeah, that's that's my yeah, favorite. Hem. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. My my parents played a <laughs> Jesus music. Um, my parents played a CD when we went to sleep, and it played that song. Um, so I just latched onto it as a kid. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We have um, my wife. When I married into her family, they have a group that they call the Big Chill. Uh, long, long story short, it's, it's based on the movie, the big chill from 30 or 40 years ago. But, um, every gathering that they end, they all, they have these like old Baptist hymnals, uh, that they break out and we all sing Baptist old Baptist hymns together. And I love that it, it does like, it feels like sacred connection happens in those moments, uh, as we sing songs together. Um, and I, you know, I don't even, (laughs) some of those old hymns don't even agree with all of the theology of them or anything, but there's still something meaningful about singing them together in community that transcends the words on a page. Yeah, I think I've, I struggled with that for a little bit, the theology and the hymns. Um, But I think for me, it's the nostalgia I carry with them and then the Mm -hmm. community that I sing them with and had sung them with, but. Right, right. Absolutely. Caroline, do you have any other spiritual practices at this point in your life that are particularly meaningful to you? Yeah, I, I think watercoloring is a spiritual oh. practice for me. Well, that's cool. Tell, tell me more. In, in COVID, um, you know, at the beginning, and I, I suppose still now, um, was such a time of lack of control for everyone. And mm-hmm. for me, I was a senior in college and wow. was graduating and all of a sudden like had no control over what was next. Um, and watercoloring was a way that helped me kind of pray f- prayerfully um, lean into that a little bit, lean mm. into that lack of control because I'm not really an artist, but with watercoloring, uh, it doesn't matter if you have a plan or not, unless you're really good, because the water's just going to do its thing. Right. <laughs> it doesn't care what your plan is. I love <laughs> that. There's there's a sermon in this story. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so, like, I, I did a lot of watercoloring during that first stint of COVID when everybody was home. Yeah. And that was a way I was really able to kind of surrender to the time and, hmm. and live in that moment, which is really hard for me, a planner, to do. Um, so I, I really enjoy that practice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like it was in some senses, a prayerful activity too, where, uh, you know, maybe yeah. if there aren't even words involved, just an opportunity to sort of like commune in God's presence. I would sometimes, um, even like intentionally, I think anytime I watercolor, it's a spiritual time, but sometimes I would intentionally make it a spiritual time and like read scripture before or say a prayer before and kind of let that guide what I painted. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. awesome. That's so good. Yeah. <laughs> My wife picked up gardening during the pandemic, which has been beautiful to watch her, which, you know, I would say is also a spiritual practice, oh, like yeah. creating and nurturing life uh, and creating beauty. Uh, which has been so vital, vitally needed in the last couple of years. And she did some watercoloring. Uh, 
I got into Dungeons and Dragons, which is maybe less spiritual. <laughs> but it's a, a weekly online group that I started, you know, gaming with. Well, community and fellowship. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. That's exactly what it represented to me. <laughs> but watercoloring is so beautiful. Yeah, that's great. Any, I'm curious, is there anywhere else in your life that you feel like you've encountered God's presence most profoundly? Well, like going right off of gardening, I think nature, creation, I just like, that is where I connect to God the most. And, Uh um, I don't, I think proof of, of God and God's, God surrounding us and wrapping us and, and the love that creation is. Anytime I walk outside and just look up at the big clouds, I'm like, God loves us so much. Mm. What a gift to be able to see that too. You know, I think so many of us walk through life and it's like, look up at the clouds and are like, oh, it's going to rain later today. Or, you know, I mean, it takes a certain lens. Really, I would say like the lens of joy and sort of a divine awareness uh, to see God's presence in those things. It's a hard lens to hold sometimes, and I yeah. definitely fall into that. Oh, I don't want it to rain. Right. But I, I think, <laughs> yeah, I think at the end of the day, um, yeah, looking at at those clouds as a symbol of God's love is something I've held on to. Yeah, that's awesome. So, you are here in Williamsburg, Virginia, for the summer, uh, and we're delighted to have you and. Um, take really, you know, count this as a sacred responsibility and trust that you have placed in us to help nurture and foster your gifts for ministry. Um, and so I, for one, am incredibly grateful for your trust in that. I wonder if you can tell uh, our listeners a little bit about what you're hoping to get out of this experience this summer. You're here for June and July, which is going to go, you know, in the blink of an eye. I mean, it feels like, but we're hoping that we'll be able to slow down and be fully present enough to um, savor this opportunity for you to to be among us. But what are you hoping to get out of this experience? What are some of your goals? I I think my my biggest goal is just the continued discernment and development mm-hmm. of um, who I am as a minister which I think can only happen through experience. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I look forward to have experiences um, to kind of deepen that call even more. Um, another goal is that experience, to experience mm-hmm. what it means to be a pastor of a congregation, what it means to care for others and um, what it means to lead worship on Sundays and all the stuff in between. Mm-hmm. And um, I think even just in my first week here, um, things have come up that have been unexpected, like the unexpected conversations and that are so meaningful. And so I look forward to continue having those unexpected moments. Um, that's Yeah, that's summer. great. Yeah, you know, so much of ministry is relational and so much of relationships happen unscheduled or unscripted, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm, for better or for worse, I'm not the per- type of person who likes to like script out my day and say, you know, I'm doing this, 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 and that. I fly by the seat of my pants probably a little bit more than I should, but 
Um, it, it really does take a lot of intentionality to slow down and focus and be fully present with who you're with or whatever you're doing. Because we said this earlier, the, you know, the days fly by if you're not careful. What, so we are going to, um, you'll be in the pulpit some this summer. Um, yes. <laughs> whatever, you know, your, <laughs> some of your friends back in college said, for better, for worse, we're going to stick you in the pulpit, trusting that God will speak through you just as God would speak through me or anyone else. Uh, we've, we've very strongly believe that God calls all people uh, and all sorts of people to speak uh, words of wisdom and encouragement and challenge from the pulpit. Um, and it is a beautiful and also scary thing to sort of feel like you are going to try to say something um, prophetic in community yeah. together. But we're thrilled to hear you preach later this summer, at least a couple times. Uh, we're going to try to see if you can have the opportunity to lead a like a spiritual formation group of some sort. Right. Still talking about options, whether that will be like Sunday morning or in an e an evening, or I mean, we could do a mm -hmm. lunch, you know, a, a midday Bible study lunch if we wanted to. Yeah, uh, so lots of options. But you've already been recruited by the choir. <laughs> I have, yes, <laughs> <laughs> and already led with your guitar in worship, which was wonderful. Uh, my intention, my hope is that you know you'll come to the worship council meeting uh, tomorrow, and then. Throughout the summer, we'll have opportunities to really lead in every way during worship. So do the pastoral prayer, prayers of the people, uh, do the benediction, do the welcome, uh, you know, and so forth, so that you get an opportunity to, um, you know, really get a, a well-rounded experience of leading in worship and also working with a com our, our worship council to um, plan worship. Yeah, I'm looking forward to those experiences for sure. Definitely a little nervous about the preaching, but I trust that y'all will hold me in grace as I um, discern that calling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> they're a friendly crowd. Thankfully, <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think this is a reflection of my preaching so much as it is of their grace and mercy. I don't think I've ever had a negative word uttered to me about my sermons. <laughs> and I don't think that I've done anything to warrant that. I think it's just a reflection of their generosity as a congregation. <laughs> oh my, that reassures me for sure. So, yeah. So, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'm watching our clock uh, and we'll have to, so for our, list, our podcast listeners, we're talking about, um, uh, I'm going to pass the baton and Caroline is going to become interviewer at some point. But I think for the sake of this podcast episode, um, Caroline's in the hot seat and then we'll turn the tables for the next podcast episode and let her become the interviewer and grill me with questions and make me squirm a little bit. <laughs> um, it's been such a great opportunity to get to know you and, and hear more about your call uh, for me, you know, as pastor, um, and we'll be excited for you to turn the tables and ask the questions for me too. But I wonder if you can tell us a little bit, you've come to us through the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, CBF Global, and their student.church yes. internship. Um, 
And so as part of that, you'll travel to the, the big annual CBF General Assembly midsummer, right, to connect mm-hmm. with other um, like-minded Baptists um, and have some opportunities for reflection along the way. Anything else you think we should know about that program that you've, that's sponsored you and sent you to us? Yes, I mean, it's really a kind of a win-win situation. I think both sides are, perhaps it's like a triangle, three sides. Right, right. <laughs> um, three points, like benefit from it. I'm benefiting from it in that I'm making connections both with CBF, which is um, what m- this church and many other churches affiliate with, which will be what I'll probably go through to get a job one day. Right. So making connections there. I'm also getting to come here and um, learn and grow and make connections here. And then the church has the opportunity through this program to make connections with CBF and vice versa and grow connections deeper there um, because CBF can open up more opportunities for resources for both the pastor and the church. So that's kind of like, I think overall, maybe the point of. Yeah. Right. Well, and CBF, yeah, benefits by having a deeper relationship with churches. And uh, the the woman, Davida Parnell, is the um, director of the Young Baptist Ecosystem. So that's mm-hmm. a vi- this is a vital um, component of you know their long term denominational plan to raise up leaders from within the system who right. will one day be key leaders in the churches and in the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship Network as a whole. When I went to an orientation for for this program, CBF um, held an orientation for us the week before I came to y'all. Um, there were so many pastors there, leading young pastors um, who had been pastors for about five years, um, mm-hmm. who had gone through this program as well. Oh, and wow. So it's really neat to see... Um, a bunch of pastors, women and et cetera, um, that have, you know, maybe just a step, um, before me that have gone through the same. So that was really cool to see. Yeah. That's awesome. And we've talked, I think we've talked maybe last week a little bit about just the importance of network. Like, uh, it, (laughs) it helps to know people in the, (laughs) you know, in the system or in the geographical region that you've, you know, want to work and serve. And so, and Mm -hmm. I would, you know, for my part, I would say, uh, I feel called to serve within Baptist life. I feel called to serve within Virginia and more specifically Williamsburg. And so it's, it's neat to be able to say, you know, I feel God calling me to ministry. I don't know exactly what that's going to look like in the future, but, um, what a gift to be able to partner with this organization as, you know, you discern your sense of calling. And, uh, and I think that that will be an instrumental part of your calling in the future is the, is the folks that you journey, that you walk on the journey with. Yes. I'm super thankful for this opportunity, both to CBF and this church. Yeah. And we're thrilled too. And like I said, grateful for your trust. Anything, this will be the last question, I think, but anything that we can be praying for you about this this uh, summer while you're here or even looking to the school year ahead, anything specifically, personally or vocationally or otherwise? Yeah, I ask that y'all um, pray for my continued discernment and that um, I, I go where the Spirit leads because although that sounds easy, it's kind of hard, so... 
right? <laughs> yeah. We were talking about in Sunday school uh, on Sunday morning, this, you know, the wind, the, Jesus says something in the gospel of John, like the wind blows where it wants and no one knows where it's coming from and no one knows where it's going. <laughs> it seems like such a perfect description of the Holy Spirit, like no clue where this is going, but I'm going to trust and follow. Yeah, that is <laughs> so a perfect. Prom- yeah, so promise to be praying for you as you discern where the Spirit is calling you. Anything else? That's it. That's it. Awesome. Good. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for your time and recording this podcast and for your willingness to share and be vulnerable uh, as you share about your story of faith and your journey. Uh, Really excited for folks to continue to get to know you in the weeks and months ahead and for you to um, be leader among us in worship and in other ways and, um, and excited to walk this journey together. Folks who are listening, podcast listeners, if you've made it this far, we're so grateful that you listened <laughs> to us. Uh, and Caroline is one of her goals this summer is to, to gain skills making podcasts. So hopefully you'll hear her voice again very soon. So thanks for listening. Thanks so much, Caroline. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.